everybody. Welcome to the Naked Under the Table show where we say what we think because we're just as naked under the table as you are. We've got nothing under the table and nothing is off the table. Our weekly golden nuggets are delivered hot and fresh by your favorite always half-naked people, Martin, Denise, and Elsie. This week is the last of our Scandals in Space series, and we are capping it off with a doozy talking about space exploration. And tonight's host is none other than Martin Johnson, all the way from Denmark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Welcome, welcome back, guys, for uh, for another week. Yet another week, the last episode of our Scandals in Space series, and it's been a it's been a long series. This one, this is the fifth episode. It's been one of those months, and we've we've been up and around, and man, we've been so many places in space through so many scandals, and uh, now it's time to to kind of end it all off. And to do that, we'll, we'll be talking about something that can tend to be very as abstract and, and sometimes very, very difficult to understand because we, it really ventures out into the, the border of the, our understanding of the world that we live in, which is space exploration. Like this is where we get so far out into our understanding that, that it's a it it's 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 really hard to fathom what's going on. So we'll try not to get lost in it today, because it's easy to get lost in it, right? Especially when we go to the border, the <laughs> borderlines of the <laughs> of the galaxy. When we try yeah. to venture into the interstellar space. But um we'll 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 try to we'll try to um we'll 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 try to not get lost in it too much, and and I hope it's going to be a, a a fun episode where we get to sum up some of all of the things we've been talking about so far, and and try to venture out somewhere where people where where we might not have been before, and where where people might not go that often, to try to understand what what's going on in the universe around us. Right. So we're going to jump right into it. Right now, I can start with like a little, a little explanation. So basically, what we're going to talk about today in space exploring. When we talk about exploring space, there's several um, spectrums of how to explore space. Like we're talk, we can talk. Like we'll, we'll um, there is the um, the the concept of actually humanly exploring space. Like you will get on a spaceship and you will go out into another planet or you will go out in orbit around earth or you will go out anywhere in space that you can reach in your spaceship. Um, but space exploration is so much more than that because um, obviously we've explored uh, parts of space where we have never gone. And how have we done that? And, and we've done that through, um, I forgot the name, the, the telescopes. We've done that through massive telescopes uh both here on earth and and some that are in orbit especially a very famous one that's in orbit around earth um and we also have uh the outer parts of our solar system which is right now reachable by probes and probes are um basically machines it's basically machines that we shoot out into space 
that go out to places that we can't reach with uh, with uh, humans on board. Uh, or maybe we could reach, but that we're not reaching with humans on board and take photos of planets, uh, especially the ones in our solar system. Right now, there's a very famous probe that's circling around. Uh, I, I, excuse me, because I don't remember the name, but right now there's one exploring the outer, outer circles of our solar systems, which is the Pluto planet and, and um, the the it's belt cool. of, of uh, asteroids and and different kind of very, very small planets that, that's circulating around our solar system. And on top of that, there's going even more into space exploration. There, this is where we're talking about the science level of it. Like there's black holes, there's wormholes, there's uh, dark energy. Um, antimatter. Antimatter. <laughs> yeah. No, like, this is really the, the scientific part of it, which is also exploring. Like this is also tied in with everything else, uh, although it's not necessarily going out into the unknown physically, but it is mathematically and math is also a very very massive part of this uh, technology is also um a massive part of 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 this topic so we will try to explore uh without getting lost because with all of these things involved under the same thing uh, under the like the same concept it's easy but uh, we'll start off uh, a little bit easy and, and kind of lay a baseline and and for that um I'm gonna ask you guys, what, what's your favorite movie about space, space exploring? A and why is it your favorite movie, right? Uh, so Elsie, if, if yeah, you don't mind. Yeah, we gotta start uh, with Elsie on this one. You're the, the expert, my friend. It's a very fine uh, film book. I'm here. no expert. I'm, no, I'm just a fan of, of science fiction. I'm not an expert at all. Uh, I love the um, space exploration movies. Uh, ever since I was a kid, I mean, who doesn't? I mean, who who kid won't fall in love with uh, a spaceship in space with <clears throat> uh, photon torpedoes, with 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 FTL engines, with with all these great technologies, and and it's always been uh, fascinating ever since uh, first time you saw Star Wars, then you venture out deeper into Star Trek, uh, but for me. I actually posted this one in our uh, Facebook page. So please, guys, uh, like our fa Facebook page, Nuts. You can just search for it there and join our Facebook groups where we discuss a lot of things. And a lot of what we're going to be discussing right now is going to be uh, lots of links and other informations would be uh, in our page. So for my favorite uh, <laughs> movie, oh, my gosh, how where do I start? I actually linked six. <laughs> I actually did six, and I posted it on 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 our Facebook uh, account. Uh, would you can can you humor me? Can you would you allow me to 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 give six of my favorite, my top six favorite space Dude, exploration come on, movies? Man. You have to. You have to. Yeah. Go nuts. Yeah, you can't tease. You can't tease so like that, and then then leave us with a limp dick, bro. That's hey, not cool, thank you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. So uh, my top six uh, favorite space exploration movies, and, and, and mind off, FYI, I like space exploration sci-fi with a mission, with a goal uh, in hand. I mean, and, and, and in this mission, they have somewhat of a, a hard time, uh, a ticking time bomb, if you will. Uh, if they don't do it in a certain amount of time, 
things can go wrong or the earth will explode or or we'll we'll all die i like that uh, aspect that having such a, a hard time uh, getting their goal and 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 uh, uh, it just makes great uh, a story so my top 6 now uh, from 6 to 1 number 6 uh, would be Dairuger 15. This is an old 1970s anime. Uh, Voltron 1 to our American friends. And uh, in this cartoon, uh, it, was, uh, it was a space exploration expedition to find another home, to find another planet for Earth. Now, in order to do that, uh, they have been mapping the galaxy with the ga galaxy garrison they've been mapping out the galaxy with their big uh, space space uh, spaceship and in the spaceship there were there 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 are ships in the spaceship there are small ships that uh explore now this now these ships form into a giant robot okay no what i like about what i love about this 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 cartoon is every time they explore a place uh they would get uh, they would end up having trouble with this alien race called uh, I forgot uh, life of me. What, what was the name of the uh, anyways that, that that alien race owns the perimeter that galaxy perimeter where us the earthlings are exploring in so they stop us and they go hey this is your trespassing this is our uh, 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 sector of the galaxy, galaxy. And 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 what we did, uh, what the Earthlings did, is they said, "Okay, uh, sorry, but we're just exploring and mapping uh, our solar system. We, uh, we're not we're not meant we're we're not here to to occupy anything. So so we're non-military. We're just explorers. Okay. So the aliens go, okay, you can you can do what you want and and, and uh, explore and map. But one of the generals of the aliens." Didn't trust us, and he and he and he knows that Terrans, us uh, humans, are warmongers, and and he goes, I, I don't trust the, these humans. I, they always seem to, to to have a ulterior motive, or they uh, they end up conquering and, and terraforming everything. So I'll attack them. So when they attack the humans, lo and behold, the small ships form into a giant robot, Voltron, and beats the crap out of the out of the out of the, the aliens. And in that scenario, the reason I love this 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 anime, in that scenario, uh, we humans are the antagonists. We are the enemy. In the scenario, we are trespassing, but we, we are the, the trespassers. Huh. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're saying we are the trespassers. Yeah, we're like the we colonizers. Are the trespassers. We are the colonizers, and we are trespassing from that was already governed by this alien race. But since we have a giant uh, a robot that can beat them up, so we're more or less uh, trespassing and, and bullying the aliens. So that's one of my favorites. Uh, number five would be 2000 Space Odyssey. Everybody, most people know that. Uh, four is Macross. Uh, that's another anime which is uh, all military. Uh, number five, Jason the Wheeled Warriors was an 80s cartoon that had a movie also, and it's uh, great vehicles. And number six would be my favorite, favorite, favorite anime slash movie uh, space ex exploration. It's Space Battleship Yamato. And because uh, I, the reason I'm in love with this film, it's uh, the Yamato, the 1940s battleship 
the World War, War II battleship, they converted yeah. it into a space cruiser that can travel FTL faster than light. Faster <laughs> than sea. FTL. Faster than the speed of light. Wow. Wow. Can you believe that? Yeah, I just call it because that's Amazing. what they shorthanded, right? The natural, the natural metric is C. FTL. There's a natural me metric that's really long and has numbers and stuff. Kind of mm -hmm. like this 3.1416, we just say pi. So there's an actual calculation, <laughs> yeah. we just say C. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. they call it C measure, and then like you measure speed by how many percentage of C you are, uh, you, what, but that's how you measure your speed in terms of uh, but, light, 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 light. See, I did more power. research. I did more research. <laughs> but what, what I love about the Yamato, uh, which is very linked, which is linked to, to actual theoretical physics, is uh, they, they, they use a certain warp drive, an engine that can harness a certain particle, which we will discuss later in the course of the show. I'm very excited to dis discuss uh, about this uh, special particle that can travel faster than light. And if we can harness that, we can actually do what this anime is, is uh, 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 doing, is traveling faster than light. And what I love about uh, this... I thought you talked this, about making a, an, an old warship into a space cruiser. But, you know. That is the coolest thing. That's pretty okay. cool, too. That would be pretty I damn think that badass. is the coolest thing. <laughs> that is the coolest thing. They converted a yeah, World War II battleship. Light, man. I just want a space cruiser. I mean, I don't know if there's anything cooler than that. I know for me, in my book, that is the coolest thing, hands down. A World War II battleship that travels faster than light. Come on. Right, yeah. come on, come that's on, just too man. cool. So those are my top go six. home Star Wars. Brings a whole new go meaning. Home, Star Wars. Yeah, it brings oh, a whole oh, new oh, meaning sorry. to space pirates, right, Martin? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> incidentally, guys, incidentally, the Battleship Yamato, the anime movie that was shown in Japan, actually beat Star Wars in in, in gross sales in the seventies. They yeah. they were so in love with this anime. I mean, it was a big hit back in the day. Uh, and it was, it's a great anime. I, 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 I uh, highly recommend it to, to everybody, to you guys, to everybody watching, uh, to check it out. And there's a movie out. Uh, they made a movie in 2010, I think. And it's a great uh, action-packed, uh, very much very science fiction. Of course, knowing the Japanese, a lot of drama. <laughs> and uh, it's great. It's great. It's, it's, it's an amazing uh, uh, story with great uh, effects. <laughs> that that's that's great. What about you, Denise? So so now you had some time to warm up. Have you I thought know. about what 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 uh, what what's your favorite movie about space exploration? Okay, so I'm glad that that Elsie is like super into this stuff that he didn't touch on it because I was so afraid he had six and he would touch on it. But I wouldn't necessarily call this a classic. But I love the approach they had to space exploration and space travel. Um, and it's the 1997 movie, if I'm not mistaken, with Jodie Foster called Contact. Contact. Yes, Contact. Um, and here's an interesting trivia that I forgot. Matthew McConaughey was also in Contact. And then years later, he stars in Interstellar. So it's hilarious. You know, this guy seems to love his space exploration movies. But I say, I say. I say, I say, I say. Um, I say, I say. I love contact because existentially it tells us that space exploration is as much an external thing as it is an internal thing. 
Because when you go through the movie, a lot of the limits of her courage, of her desire to discover, of her curiosity, um, and, and even her limits in terms of morality, what can and cannot we do, were driven a lot also by her internal compass. She, she, she was very, uh, so when they were building her space pod to, to go and explore and travel in space, there were instructions given and the instructions explicitly said no chair inside. So when they were constructing the chair, she was vehemently opposed because she was such a purist. And also when they were a little bit afraid of a lot of things because she was naturally courageous and she, she was desperate to know and desperate to discover, she would keep pushing them. And I loved the message of this movie that space exploration's limits are only limited by our own human limits, our own human capacity for, for curiosity and creativity and innovation and design and, 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 and bravery, really. You know, how, how far are you willing to go is how far you'll go, you'll actually go. Um, and other things I, I liked about Contact were when you review the, the actual travel scene. So she goes through all of these wormholes. It's a very, very long journey that she goes through. Uh, she ends up finally meeting her father. And, and it's a very, very long, long thing that she goes through. But when she comes back to Earth, apparently it was a few minutes. The pod drops through and then it it's there. And for her, what was eons of time was nothing to us. And, and that's one of the things I'm fascinated about space exploration is you can't extricate the concept of time when it comes to space exploration. And, and we calculate space exploration in the only way we knew, know how, which is our version of speed and our version of time. So we use light years and stuff. But really, what if it doesn't take that long for, for others? Or what if it's a few minutes what if it's the opposite? What if it won't take us 90 light years to get somewhere and it only takes us nine minutes in, in actuality? And I find that really fascinating. And, and the third and last reason why I like Contact as a space exploration movie is it wasn't trying to be too much or do too much. They weren't conquering a new land. They weren't learning a new culture or language. They weren't meeting new uh, beings sentient or otherwise, it was really purely space exploration. What is out there? What can we discover? How far can we go? And I love that they kept it that way and, and that simple because when you get at the heart of space explorations, there are many reasons why, but maybe that should be the, the only reason why. What can we discover? You know, and, and leave it at that. Don't touch things, don't meddle with things. Just go for discovery. And they discovered the signal, but it's more also about uh, con radio, contact. Yeah. Uh, radio signals, yeah, yeah. Of, uh, of I, other life, and that's and pretty interesting. And I found it so because this is in 1997. So, of course, the signals are like radio signals, like radio waves, right? Like, so I, I love it. It's, 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 it's very um, plausible in the way it was done. Yeah, uh, so... Yeah, with me. Um, yeah, I'm a, I was a little out of my league, and I, I tried to like sit down and kind of remember what kind of space movies have I have I watched. Not really space movies, but we're talking specifically um, that has sp space exploring as a as a theme. Um, and and I, I kind of boiled it down to to The Martian and then uh, Interstellar. <laughs> I'd go so, interstellar, uh, hands down. 
so so yeah um so so that that's kind of what i have to go for i was thinking but i i for me star wars doesn't really fall into this category of course it's in space but it's not so much centered around exploring space more of a space is like an open an field of like going around yeah. And yeah. star trek star trek would have more claim on that star than trek. star wars to be fair. yeah, yeah. But but then again, it was too late for me to kind of try to watch the whole Star Trek, <laughs> Star Trek series, you know. So uh, so yeah, these are the two movies that I watched, and and to be honest, I like both. Um, um, but I I don't claim to have like a whole picture of of the whole like the the movie world of space exploration or get all aspects of it under my my analysis, but. Um, what I do like, which was uh, the same for both of them, and which I think is very telling, and and something that I think we forget to tell when we tell the stories of of great exploring, is uh, all the times that it fails. And and I really, I really, I really like that approach because the stories that we will hear, or the stories that we will hear, we will hear about all the people that succeeded, right? All the people that did great exploring and 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 set themselves a goal, went on a journey, and actually actually got there, and 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 whether that's in a physical sense, like you sail to a place or you go to the moon, or whether that's in a mathematical sense, like you go out to solve a mathematical problem and 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 you 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 end up solving it. What we don't hear is is all of these people that go wrong and and. People sacrifice in these two movies. They basically are willing to make the the ultimate sacrifice, I guess, which would be your life. You can always discuss whether you think that's an ultimate sacrifice or not, but that's just for the sake of argument, say it's an ultimate sacrifice, and, and go out and and be left with with nothing. And um, I guess I like that aspect of the two movies. Um. In, in terms of space exploration, um, I think Interstellar is really a space exploration uh, movie. Yeah, more than it the is Martian. Martian is more of a survival in space movie. Yeah, um, like I mean, I mean, because in Interstellar they really go out to find a new place to stay. But for right, me, the storyline yeah. is pretty. It's used already, you know. Like it's it's not uncommon. Like Earth is 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 having issues in this in this case. Right. Uh, right. The the Earth. Actually, Earth that we're growing our crops in are getting uh, contaminated, so we can't right, grow right. food, right. And, and we need to leave Earth and whatnot. Right. Um, and and they have to go through a wormhole to right. to get to another dimension, right? Right. And uh, yeah, and what the when one they thing get there? Sorry, yeah, Mark, one the thing, one thing yeah. that bugs me. The one the one thing that bugs me in Interstellar is why would you find a planet next to a black hole? I just don't get that. i mean yeah. is there no other planets i mean that's the only planet available next to a black yeah, they, hole they had three, right they had three planets that that were av available like they Viable, saw yeah. um was was habitable but when they got there none of it was habitable so i don't really know right, what's right, what's right. what's re only what requirements they had or or it also seemed like they didn't really have any in-depth knowledge about about beyond the wormhole it was more like guesswork right but right but, uh, right Right. Uh, Great movie, nonetheless. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. And it's one of it tells a story that doesn't often get told. This and that's what what happens when when you gamble all and and you lose. 
You know? Okay. Can I, can I, can I, say something, Denise? Uh, Miggy, I hear you, my friend, and I'm a big fan of Space Pirate Captain Harlock. Ha God damn it. <laughs> and I'm happy that you know that. You're really a geek. <laughs> and to Q, sorry, sorry. Gundam is not cooler than Yamato. <laughs> oh no, here we go, here we go, here we go. Then the battle begun. Space battle has begun. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let, let's jump, let's jump on and let's dive in a little bit deeper. Um, and, and this question is about exploring space in general. And you touched a little bit on it, uh, Denise. But these are uh, why? Why should we explore space, right? Why? Why is uh, Earth not that Earth is not enough? But why can't we just stay here and not go into space? Uh, and why should we explore it? And and why shouldn't we explore space? Right? What, what's what? Why does it? What's the sense of it? So Denise, maybe you can start off this one. Yeah. So I did kind of lead into it about how. Um, we need to be more about discovery than anything else. And I think, um, hang on, let me just do something. Yeah. So I think the reason, I think the reason why we need to lead with discovery is it's one of the more innocent ways we can go into space and explore. I feel like we, we talked a lot, especially <coughs> when we we're talking about terraforming Mars, things like the possibility of survival because earth two, et cetera. And, and, and when you when you throw in other motivations like survival or, 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 you know, impending destruction as a planet or you talk about things like colonization or maybe even things like getting from a planet resources and then bringing it back here to repurpose for our own needs, there's always some kind of danger that will go overboard, right? But if we're going there with just the motivation to discover and to learn and we're not we can't touch anything we can't change anything so if we're going to observe as passive observers and then we discover something there that we like um, or that we feel might work for our own planet and we bring it back passively without interfering then i think that's that's a great um reason to explore into space and in in that sense there's less danger of it becoming selfish or self-serving or worse financially driven um and 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 you know i know we're going to cover a lot of this later but i think one of the dangers of space exploration is this shit ain't cheap this shit ain't cheap so there needs to be a very very strong moral compass pun intended a compass of morality and a compass to explore that gets us in a space just north intended. star right just <laughs> yeah, north so star off you go <laughs> Yeah, so many, but yes, I think um, if we remember that while we might have the technology, the intelligence, the know-how, even the money and the resources to do it, that doesn't make us the boss of the universe. So we need to be very, very humble in our exploration. And I think that's, that's possibly the only reason I could accept that we would venture out into to space and explore. Nice. What about you, Elsie? Uh, it's my my personal opinion in it. Uh, probably it's irrelevant because there's there's one one sentence comes to mind <clears throat> in this uh, in this instance. Uh, when we can, we shall. 
<laughs> as as anything goes in the as as we as as a human speed uh, 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 the human race is when we can we will do it there's no stopping us uh, uh, going back to some of the sci-fi movies that i've mentioned a while ago like uh, voltron they were exploring and they were not just exploring they were actually trying to colonize that's why they were being stopped by the aliens so it's the nature of the beast, Martin. It's it's something that who's gonna stop us? Us, I guess. Who's gonna keep us in check? Us, maybe. Well, the universe might stop you, you know. <laughs> oh, but I don't think there's reason not to. Also, I think uh, we will eventually explore space when the when. Uh, uh, down the line, uh, when technology uh, permits, I think that's not that's not gonna be what's. You're right, Denise. The moral compass will play a big role, like anything else in in the world. Uh, history dictates it. There was a moral compass to everything, but we, we were colonized in the name of God. We were colonized in the name of whatever, and it's always the same thing. And and it's the nature of the beast. Yeah? So we'll colonize it in the name of humanity. We'll colonize space in the name of whatever we're worshiping in the future. I don't know. Uh, it's just the nature of the beast. I don't think it's something that it's not a question of why. It's it's probably a question of when. When will that happen? I don't think that's definitely going to happen. When we can, we will. That's. No, I mean, we we already. I mean, we already are exploring space exactly. on on on, on exactly. all. On all fronts. Right? Let's let's on just hope fronts. that our ancestors. I mean, I, I, our our descendants. I mean, let's just hope our descendants would be smart enough not to do what do what history did. You know, to do what we did in history. Like uh, go to space. Hopefully, less violence. Hopefully, there's no wars. Hopefully, it's just you're right, Denise. Hopefully, it's just exploration for the sake of knowledge. That would be great. Well, one can only, you know, one can only uh, uh, wish and dream. But, uh, yeah, what the future holds, let's just hope for the best, I guess. But And it also, you know, now that we're talking about this, it kind of begs the question, even though we weren't supposed to tackle it, of who the right people are to be space explorers. You know, when we start venturing into space, there's a natural pool of people that get defaulted as space explorers, astrophysicists, neuroscientists, rocket scientists, um, and, and, and maybe quantum physicists and quantum mechanics, all of those people are usually the ones defaulted to explore into space. You know, and I think not that this is a, not that I'm generalizing, but I think part of what would be important in a team that is created for space exploration would be a team that has some heart in it. You know, a sense of right and wrong, a sense of when is it too much, you know, when is it bravery and when is, you know, there's a fine line between courage and stupidity, they say. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure they're going to get, I'm sure they're going to get the best team for that, Denise. I, I'm, I'm very sure that that whoever's in charge will probably assemble the best team possible, not not a bunch of plumbers, not a bu bunch of drillers. I'm, I'm sure of that. But see, that's, but that's my worry. The, the, that problem, the, problem per the problem is, Denise, the people behind it, the people funding it, the greed might come from the funders, you know, not from, necessarily. The, from the, maybe I mean, I'm not just saying it's a well accepted fact. And that's why I said, I'm not generalizing, but it's a well accepted fact that 
the more intelligent you become, you're less prone to emotional or empathic decisions. Uh, this is a generalization. You'll be a, vo be a Vulcan. The more, the more rational. Yes, yeah, so the more rational. Thank you, Martin. The more rational and intellectual you become, right. that's a good thing for space exploration. But what if you're so rational that it, certain decisions are not rational decisions? What if some decisions are more emotional or empathic? Moral, morality takes a back, back seat. You know, and saying. it doesn't necessarily always have to do with money or greed. You could have a very gung-ho explorer, a very gung-ho scientist that keeps pushing himself. As Martin pointed out, even in fiction, there are those that push themselves even to the point of loss of life. And, and, and that begs the question. Um, thank you for, you know, by and by sacrificing yourself in the name of discovery. But should we be doing that? Is there a limit? You know, and, 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 and that's why I was thinking that apart from why we need to explore, who explores? Is also a very important question. Hmm. Yeah, there, there's definitely I, 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 a sorry. A moral I, can, can you just can you just uh, uh, message a great uh, uh, line from the movie of the Anna Hathaway character? Yes, he's, I think she said, uh, uh, "Love is the only thing we can perceive that's quantifiable." The only thing that's multidimensional. Uh. <laughs> that's a great quote, though. I mean, I love the and, script. And I, I guess that, that's part of the that's part of the moral, pun intended, of Interstellar is 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 where does love morality, just, you know, and love for not just us and our Earth, because scientists love science, love the discovery, love the math behind it all. Are they also then expected to love beyond humanity and beyond science? Love for other creatures, other life forms, and such. And I, I was just thinking, you know, you, you can you can even say that in uh, going to Interstellar, you can even say that love could be the universal language, because that's what kept Matthew McC McConaughey going. It's the love for his daughter. Actually, <laughs> so, and that's what kept Jodie Foster going, the love for her father. You know, and 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 there you and go, there you go. Maybe a universal we need to find a half alien person to to help us out when we explore. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Sorry, Martin. I, I didn't mean to digress on the question. I just, I just realized as we were talking, that there needs to be guardians for for this exploration. Also, the the guardians of the why, the guardians of the why we are exploring. Maybe we should send but, Simon Sinek up there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If he's the epiphany of a good per, if he's the archetype of a good person, you know. But. But, but if we were to do, because we do that a lot, like we put restrictions on, on everything and, and rightfully so, you know, rightfully so. And, and one of the discussions right now, if, if not to divert too much, but it's, for example, AI, right? Putting putting restrictions on AI and, and kind of start monitoring uh, the development of AI. So if, if we were to do that, then then who who should do it, right? That's also a good question uh obviously something comes to mind maybe the government right who are usually the ones that implement restrictions uh but i think it's a very good point to to point out that that in there's always a fine line between like how much you should control things and how you should let it fall unfold uh naturally uh, but it's definitely a discussion that that we need we need to have and just like with AI, also with with space exploration, we, we need to 
I, I don't know, maybe these things are already in place, right? I'm not an expert in like governmental or NASA or who, who governs NASA or, or whatever, but it's definitely a discussion that that's worth having, right? How, how we how we do that in the, in the proper way. I think for me, it's, it's such a deep topic that it's very, very hard to, to get to fathom all aspects. Even if I tried, even if I, even if I spent the rest of my life trying to fathom all the aspects of, of human beings and, and, and what, what, how that impacts space exploration and how space exploration impacts us, like it's, that's beyond the capacity of a single individual to understand. But um, most of the science, which a lot of people like science, which is understandable, right? And science has also made the emergent of a more rationalized, again, rational, rational at the extreme is also dangerous, right? Like we touched on that already, but science has been the religion of the rational person you could so you could say although i know scientists don't like to call science for religion because <laughs> religion it's, it's objective <laughs> right <laughs> but kind of but, like uh, how, kind it's, of like it's like calling thing. it's it's like calling atheism a religion it's it, yeah, it's exactly like, the opposite it's the uber of blank stop calling well, everything that, the uber of blank yeah 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 well that's another discussion we can have another day but <laughs> i'm sure you can make a good argument saying that atheism That's is also a, a religion, concept. but <laughs> but uh, but the, most of the concept that builds on science and in extension of that, those concepts are what everything that we surround ourselves with every day is built out of or related to when we talk about things that we construct as human beings, whether that be technology or housing or how we grow our food or whichever it is. And a lot of these uh, concepts derive from mathematical problems, which have been solved as a byproduct of exploring and trying to understand the, the universe. And, and, and I, I think- And that's why I like how you started with, you know, we should, should we just respect the natural course of things? You know, you started your answer but then I was thinking, isn't exploration also a natural course of things? You know, and that's exactly what you're leading to. You know, and I, I really agree. The nature of the beast. So it is. The, it is in fact a balance. It is in fact a balance. Yeah. The, the 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 what the balance I was talking about for is the amount of 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 force that you will implement, not necessarily on nature, but let's say exploring is a natural thing for us. But we know that there are. Uh, moral complications to exploring, right? Just like the, anything that involves people has moral uh, complications. Beings, everything, like, anything that involves yeah. beings, not just people. It is, it is inevitable. It is yeah. inevitable. So of course it's going to be there. And that's why we need to put proper restrictions in place. But again, that's when the balance comes. You also need to watch out like the ratio between force and and letting things grow grow naturally which is kind of like this uh, it's an argument we've had before but that's also what you talk about when you talk about capitalism for example right um like At the restrictions what point is it the responsibility of the next person and the next person and no longer yeah. our responsibility exactly yeah yeah uh, but uh but it it's really a good point for me 
uh, it really shows how important it is for us to continue to explore and especially in space is that so many problems have been solved as a byproduct as a direct result or as a byproduct of exploring space and i think as we continue to dive deeper into it that will only multiply it will only get more um, but of course that that still leaves the question of how should it be done uh, how do you do it properly uh, what what should we uh, do and what shouldn't we do but but i definitely think that's um, that's an important important part um so let's jump on because we we're, we're taking a long time with the questions but i like i like the conversation it's 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 uh, it's it's really uh it's it's really fascinates me like reading up to this it's like all the time i try to look into a different kind of this it's like it takes me to the edge of my understanding and even beyond to a point where i will sit and listen to something and i'll just like man it's crazy, i yeah. have I, I no idea like, I, I don't have can, I just jump in here? can i just jump in here and say that i found a good parallel between this entire series of scandals in space because obviously we had to read up um, or, or read up again, like reread stuff. I mean, I knew all about like Area 51 and, and, and all of that, but I had to read up again. And in as much as we are minuscule in relation to the universe, I realized we are minuscule in relation to all the thinking and all the innovation and all the technology that's being built out there in this desire to explore space. You know, it was a great kind of humbling experience. And I, I really, really appreciated this series, guys. I just, I just have to say... <clears throat> I, I I agree with you, Mark. Did it you, you, you realize off. how you realize how 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 small we are in yeah. the vastness of everything. How little yeah. you understand and how little you understand, little you know, understand. like that's just really insane. In any case, let's let's jump on and and um so so now we, we talked a little bit about space and, and I, I I led the podcast with like kind of mentioning some different spectrums that that fall under the term of space exploration. So now let's jump into like what facts or theories about space or space exploration uh, fascinates you the most? And you can pick one each this time. No no room for six favorites. But uh, but Elsie, maybe you can start. Oh my God, where do I start? Okay, this was a hard question for me because I, I love a lot of theories. Uh, one of which is the interstellar theory, that, uh, the time dilation. But uh, one that fascinates me the most, even as a kid, <clears throat> is uh, because of this. Because uh, I'm a big fan of this anime. Again, going back to the, to the earlier questions, the top. My top uh, best space exploration movie slash anime would be uh, 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 Battleship Yamato, where they turned a 1940 battleship into uh, a spacecraft that can travel faster than light. For me, that's the ultimate, uh, that's, that is probably the best space exploration movie ever. Are you listening to me, Q? Okay. Now, going <laughs> to... <laughs> <laughs> we can't debate with our producer, though. That's not fair. That's a one-way fight right now. <laughs> He's limited going to private to chat. Oh. <laughs> going to going to going to the theory involved for this sci-fi anime, and 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 can you believe how the Japanese just 
makes it so educational for kids. Uh, they touched on the, the detailed structure of the ship, how it can travel. Now, this is linked to, to actual theories in physics. The Yamato has a certain engine called the wave motion engine. That engine can suck up or process a particle in space. This is a theoretical particle. Uh, uh, scientists call it uh, uh, a hypothetical particle because we don't know if it's there. But since the 60s, scientists have been stating the claim that it's there. So this is very, very interesting. And this particle is called the tachyon particle, tachyon energy, which travels faster than light, that does FTL all the time. Now, this particle, some scientists say that this particle lives or Higgs resides field. beyond beyond the Higgs field, beyond our, our the Higgs field is like an imaginary a stage where the universe uh, uh, exists in this f this this ener this energy this this particle is residing beyond that now the yamato the that ship that can harness this particle I was able to process it to power its engines in order for it to go ftl faster than light FTL, now, holy shit! That's a new term, FTL. All right, all right, I got it, I got it. So, so it's very interesting. You can say the writers for this anime could be, oh my gosh, could be a clairvoyant in this in this scenario because it's if we have if we if we prove the existence of this particle, anything is possible. We just found the Higgs boson, guys. That's we already found the god part, the supposedly god particle. So anything goes from this point. Mm. It's crazy what's mm. happening now in science. It's it's just mm. I don't know. It's blowing my mind. Like you said, Martin, this is gonna blow your mind away. Yeah. What if just in the talking near future, about it just makes makes your understanding just make me, it yeah, makes me shiver. Uh, uh, maybe in the distant future, maybe even in the near future, we can actually if once we once we're able to harness this, this particle, once we're able to contain it in, in the Large Hydron Collider, anything is possible. Light travel is possible. If light travel is possible, time travel is possible. So these are things that go, and if that's going to blow our minds. And if time travel is possible, then naturally space travel is too, because that is that's one of the challenges. Yeah. Right? Right, so I, yeah, I, I, that is my favorite Whoa. theory, and it's crazy. It's oh, oh what crazy. about you, Denise? What about you? Now we are really, I, I'm really getting like goosebumps, you know, like the shiver <laughs> down my but just thinking about it. Oh. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna be less fiction based, although some of this is still science that is plausible, but and possible, but is not necessarily still within our reach. Um, so I did some research. So I'm going to refer to my notes. So one of the, it's not necessarily a theory, but it is a fact of space exploration that fascinates me a lot, is the idea of weight calculation. And not weight meaning 
on a weighing scale. Weight meaning the idea of time, like W-A-I-T. Because the idea of weight calculation is if we're going to explore in space, there are two things that need to be balanced. The first is speed and not the speed of the actual travel. The speed of how long it will take us to build whatever it is. Oh, sorry, that's the, sorry, the speed of how long it'll take to build whatever it is and the speed of how long that thing will take us anywhere, right? So th there's two speeds that we're talking about, speed in terms of technology and innovation, and then the speed with it, with it which to travel, because you could build something today that would take us how many trillion years to get to another planet or even another star, or build something in a hundred years that would take us only decades to get to that other star or planet. And, and, and this weight calculation fact fascinates me because you now have to predict stuff. You have to run a lot of prediction models to determine if we're going to invest in the technology we're on track now or bank on a technology that is a plausible technology that has very, very little scientific basis that needs to get tested, experimented on the hope that even if it takes longer, the travel time eventually will be, will be faster net net, you know, and, and I find that fascinating because that's so difficult to calculate. Um, the other things that I like are the concepts connected to that conservation of momentum. Um, and the idea is whenever you're going to push something or power something, even not just in space, anywhere, there needs to be some kind of thruster or some kind of propellant mm. behind it or in front of it, which I'll get to in just a sec. But there needs to be some kind of propellant propelling it forward. And the problem with propellants like normal fuels that we have, like rocket fuel, is for the mass of the space shuttle or whatever it is vehicle that we're going to ride in to travel, the bigger, the heavier that is mass-wise, you're going to need a lot of propellant to keep pushing that forward, especially very far into space. So the idea of conservation of momentum is to make sure that we are creating vehicles that have less mass and to be able to propel it forward with higher speeds. You know, and, and, and this is where the idea of antimatter, and I don't know, Martin, if I have a funny feeling Martin might dive into this. So I'll skip this because I'm sure. No, this is I, I'm not on the antimatter part. So oh, please, okay, okay, please, cool. please. All right. So there's a concept of using antimatter as a possible propellant as opposed to fusion or That's rocket right. fuel. That's right. Uh, and the idea is, for those that don't know, antimatter is so-called because it's negative of whatever matter that you have. And when you when you implode antimatter, it actually creates energy and that energy can actually propel things in a direction. And antimatter drives actually have calculated, uh, the people working on it have calculated that we could, if we did it properly, get to Mars in one month. In one month! The problem is antimatter is very, very hard to produce. In fact, they don't call it production. They call it to harvest. Harness, to harness. Yeah. yeah, so antimatter is super hard to harvest and it's even harder to store. So we have to find a way yeah. to harvest a lot of it and then you store need, it. You need, an, you need an anti-bag. An anti-chamber. <laughs> an anti-chamber. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's another one that I'm fascinated with. You have with. to be anti-human. You have to have anti-emotion. That is really, really fascinating. And, and that's really one of the big problems that they have now is the the output compared to mass for the fuel sources that we have are simply not enough. It's it's simply not enough. 
and um, and that also brings in the 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 which is I don't know if this is not something you talk about in space exploring, but it's not something that we've been talking about, which is a big theme in in space exploring, and that's energy, right? Energy is is such an important, such a like a building stone of 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 the of the universe and uh, and of our society. There's dark energy. There's dark right, energy. So I will skip to my last two answers because I want to be cognizant of time. Um, and the last one's my favorite. So and there's a reason why. So the the second to my last is the idea of why not instead of pushing the vehicle, we pull it. And there's these things With called the star space balloon. Yeah, yeah, space balloons, or there's this thing space called the, the light sail. sail. So it looks the like a sail, sail, like a giant sail, and then there's a laser light that's propelling right. the sail forward. And if you guys remember this cartoon, it was the version of um, oh goodness, it was the version of uh, it was a cartoon, and then they had a ship also, and Sails, then they had light. Yeah, the lights. Yeah, and I forget the name of that cartoon, and it's so cool because they had light sails. What, was it um, American? Was it, it is American? American. And it is a spin on a classic um, Robert Stewart, Robert Stewart Stevenson book. That are I'm, they I'm pirates? Sorry. Yes, with pirates. Titan, and then, Titan A, Titan A D. No, and then there's Long John Silver in it, and anyway, but never mind. So the idea Titan. of light sails. Titan A, yeah. a, a E or A D. No, it's it's That's something Titan. else, which I'll probably remember later. Hmm. But my last hmm. theory, and it's science. Which is my favorite because it has a German name. It has a German name. Mm. Is the Schwarzschild Kugelblitz. So Schwarzschild is basically Schwarz is black and Schild is like child. So black hole because it's the child of a star of a black star. And a Kugelblitz is a lightning ball. Right. Kugel is like a ball and a blitz is lightning. And so the English mm. term for this is the black hole drive. So what it is, is it's energy that is made from light and it generates a radiation known as the Hawking radiation, which is for those Hawking that are radiation. the right. radiation that is generated coined by Stephen Hawking, hole. right? Yes, coined by Stephen Hawking. And the reason I love this theory is the idea is, yes. So going back, thank you to our producer. The Treasure movie Planet. That was, yes, yes Light go. Sales was Treasure Planet. Thank you. Treasure Planet was... The movie that kind of toyed around right, right, with light right, right. sails. Yeah. Um, but going back to the Kugel Blitz, the idea is if we create a black hole of the right size, it will generate enough Hawking radiation to propel things yeah. at more than one C, more than, and to, to, to use your words or to use your acronym, FDL, faster than light. The only issue is it has to be the right size. If it's too small, it'll fade fast and it won't be able it'll to radiate in enough itself. in enough time. But if it's too big, the radiation won't be strong enough. It, yeah. If it's too big, it might eat, eat everything up and destroy your universe. So that's, that's something that's... <laughs> that's true nice too. It's to dangerous. And, and, and so and if Einstein I had to pick, light sails are fun for the fascination part of it all, but the antimatter drive and the black hole drive for me are the most fascinating be because fascinating. they're like the negative... You'd never think to propel a ship forward that way using antimatter or a black hole, and that's why me. Well, for a for a <laughs> for a while, Denise, uh, negativity propelled my career. <laughs> <laughs> I love so it. So I I understand that that theory. Yeah. 
You know that it's a good fuel. You know that it's a good fuel. It, it's Hi a good guys. fuel. If it works for art and music, it might work for a space exploration too. <laughs> yeah. So if you get if you get Elsie on your spaceship and he starts uh, playing music, then Ranting. it just starts going forward. Um, Wouldn't that be great? For, for me, um, I, I won't get that technical, uh, but for me, the most fascinating is uh, the concept of of. Um, so uh, let me see if I can if I can word it. The most fascinating I have is stuff like dark energy and dark uh, dark matter, right? Because the universe, when we think about the universe uh, and the planet, you think about all sorts of planets around and 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 dust and and all sorts of uh, galactical activity that happens around the universe and people even know about like a very standard thing to know if you've had any scientific STEM field uh, like thing is the big bang um but all of those not the big bang huh but all of those planets and all of that matter it only makes up like five percent of the universe the the rest is dark energy dark and dark matter, matter. Yeah, and, yeah and we it, like for for me like growing up i guess and for a long and still still now i i have a hard time fathoming the whole idea because for me it's just nothing like it's just nothingness you know it's a vacuum like it's just nothing but it's not just nothing it is something and we know that it is something we just so don't space is not empty yeah, yeah not exactly empty. it has property and it makes a lot of sense because space keeps on expanding and Can it's I not the something do you know that when you Our code universe is you know so i i you know when you code the value of nothing is a value. So nothing yeah, and empty are not the same things. Yeah, empty is different, right. but null right. is still a value. So nothing is still valuable. Yeah, and and I, I can't explain the theories. I can't get technical about it, but on a philosophical level, it's just, it just, that's something when I start thinking about it, my brain just starts making, it just starts melding, you know? <laughs> right. it black like holes nothing being, being something. <laughs> Um, and, and the funny thing is like the, the, the universe expands and the theory is that it will expand to a certain point and then it will retract, right? And, and eventually itself. go back into to being a singularity, which was what it was yep. uh, at the Big Bang. And that, that poses the question, that poses the question, first of all, what's pushing the expansion, right? But what's pushing what's this expansion? Because it's not the planets. It's not the planets that's on the outskirts of 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 the of the border of the known universe that's kind of pushing it further out. It, it's not the planets. Something is expanding, and that's where the answer is lying uh, or might lie, as far as as I understand, in in this black matter and and dark energy. And it also means that the distance between planets actually expands uh, as well. By the way. Um, and it also, when you start thinking about that, it also poses the question of what it, what is it expanding into, right? That is crazy. What's because, it expanding and, into? And that's why you started with the Big Bang. It wasn't always yeah. like this. The no. universe expands and collides, and gases are formed. And you're right. You're right. 
so yeah. so the, the 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 point is first of all and that that's where we come back to the a maybe not the ai but you remember when we talked about simulations and shit right because big bang was essentially a singularity that kind of explodes and then boom starts expanding right uh and it continues to expand and, and we the theory goes that it will, it will stop expanding and start retracting and eventually become a singularity again. But what was outside of that? We have singularities like a black hole, for example, the inside of a black hole, as far as I know, is supposed to be a singularity. So we have them within our own space. Doesn't that mean that the kind of singularities that the Big Bang was is inside of something too? Right? Like, like I, I just cannot fathom what is outside of the borders of known space, you know? And and I think uh, dark energy and 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 dark matter has has a lot to do with, for example, the expansion of the universe and and at the end, what what what's outside of the known universe, and that's are a part you, of space exploration that we are very very far away from getting any sort of answers right, from. Right, right, right. right. So, we yeah. can we can we our universe, Martin, can be as insignificant as a rock to a bigger universe. We don't yeah. know. Right, things like right. that can go can drive you nuts, nuts. And, and then, and then, when you think, and that was why I came into this to the simulation part. Because if you think about it like that, and say, okay, there might be other universes, then what are all those universes inside of? And what's inside of that? And what's inside? Like it just, like, is there any ultimate mm -hmm. thing? Is there, there any end? Right, right. So, so yeah. Right. So that was just my my answer to that. I love uh, how the answer actually right. just prompts more questions, but that's what we do here on the Naked Under the Table show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I exactly think that makes right. good. That makes good. That I think that makes good. You know, uh, in my case, science fiction. That makes good science fiction. Every problem or every answer will post another question, and that's what's fascinating about most of these uh, uh, sci-fi uh, movies. Uh, Prometheus, for example. They have an answer, but it's a, it poses another bigger question. So I guess it's it's all about exploration. Uh, so so yeah, man, it's it, 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 yeah. it, it's really crazy. And and actually, the next question also for the audience was about whether it makes sense to to explore places that we can't even go, like for example, the edge of the universe. Uh, and I think we, we covered that a little bit as well. So so I'll skip that one and. And we'll we'll go a little bit back to something that's more relatable. To our human existence. <laughs> and um we'll we'll um, guys. Yeah, get into something that's that's a little bit more relatable to us um, humans. And that is uh, traditionally space exploring ha has been uh, publicly funded, right? Uh, but in the recent years, we've seen a spike in the private sector really taking the forefront or or at least trying to participate in the forefront of uh, of space exploration. And, and the reason why normally these things or why this has been publicly funded is because when you run a company, it can be very hard to try to plan 50 years ahead in time or 30 years ahead in time. You have to be alive next year. You have quarterly uh, and yearly, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, 
reports like you, you it's kind of like, it a, like the very very, very very solid companies very corporate yeah the, the very solid companies can maybe plan 20 years ahead in time if if even if even but the 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 state has a bit more uh stability and are able to to uh to predict a little bit further in, in time so in any case now that we are starting to see the private sector coming on board in this what, what what's your thought about this like what what does this mean for space exploration is that good is that is that bad is uh like like what what, what are your thoughts about the private sector kind of coming into this space exploration scene denise well speaking as somebody who is in the private sector <laughs> Um, obviously, we're not in space exploration, but we're definitely a lot involved in technology and innovation. And, and the one thing I will tell you is, again, this is not a generalization. This is a widely accepted fact. I could be wrong. But again, there's this meme about how do I know because the government isn't telling us everything. So there's no way for me to know what the government actually knows or what the government actually has in terms of know-how. So I would argue that private entities generally have the tech know-how and the speed of innovation required to propel us into space. There are my puns again. And I think because also, again, a widely known fact, while many, whether public or private institutions have agendas, read motivations for doing anything, a private firm usually only has three reasons why they would do any endeavor. Fame, fun, or fortune, right? And definitely space exploration and being the leader in that already gives you the fame aspect. So that's, there you go. Um, it could be very fun because we're doing things not nobody else <clears throat> has done. We're testing and experimenting with things that otherwise would not be allowed or would, you know, very few companies would fund or put money behind. And then there's the fortune aspect. A lot of space exploration could be democratized. And we talked a lot about this in our previous episodes when it came to the scandals in space. Because when you start talking about privately funded endeavors of any kind, the real idea is to open that up, if not to directly consumer-based purchase, business-to-business -business purchase. So what's to say that a corporation or an entity might benefit from mining in space and they're a private entity also? So another private entity will make it possible for them to mine in space and, and get... There, actually, uh, uh, there is actually a company already uh, that, uh, is, like, like uh, SpaceX, for example, uh, are investing yeah. in the future like that and has opened and, and are, are, are preparing for mining asteroids and or and e would, just... So thank you yeah. so much because I was going to lead into that. And I love that you brought that up because now you have an endeavor that covers all those three aspects. You know Elon Musk is having fun with SpaceX. You know he is. It's not fun all the time, especially when he started. And if you read about his start, it was dire, guys. He was on his third or fourth launch. He was running out of pipeline and investor money. And if he didn't get this thing launched, they were going to kill it and his SpaceX program would be in the dirt. But... Predominantly, it's fun. It's definitely getting SpaceX and Elon Musk the fame that they not only deserve, but also that they probably want. And to your point, Martin, 
there is a business venture behind all of this. There is a fortune. And I feel like when you have those three things in place, fame, fun, and fortune, apart from the morality or the, the for the sake of discovery clause that we talked about in the beginning of the show, that feels for me that that race will be run faster and the technology and the innovation will be done better in order for us to get out into space faster and better. When you talk about publicly funded things, again, a generalization, but it's a widely known fact. There's a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of red tape. Decisions are made by committee. And every time you have anything where any decision is made by committee or committees, it slows down the process. Money gets shifted left and right. And by the time you actually get the budget for your program, it's half, if you're lucky, of the original budget put in. And so for me, I feel it should be privately funded, privately driven, but publicly regulated. There should be regulations. Like, like most like, like most things. Like most things. And so in the case, so I, I liken it to any travel. It used to be travel by railroads, and then it became travel by air. And it, they are predominantly privately funded, but regulated by the public uh, governance and I, I feel space exploration should should follow it's a it's a quite successful model if you think about it and I think space exploration should take a cue from those uh, historical successes yeah but what what about you Elsie what, what's your uh, what do you think about the private sector entering this uh, field of well, science again if it's gonna if they can they're gonna do it uh, it's trying they're trying to they're trying to. You're right. They're, they have. There's plans of mining asteroids, <clears throat> so it's it's a it's also a money making machine, I guess. Uh, does it feel like a race? Could be a race, even in the private sector. Uh, but you're right. I totally agree with Denise that it has to be regulated somehow, uh, even if it's private, even if it's done by quidit space quiddity. In the future, you'll never know that. That we your grandson know. might be running by that we time. We never know, right, Denise? Man, yeah. just remember, just remember that idea, Denise, came here on the podcast. So if you do it, me and <laughs> me and uh, Elsie, we need to have a a part in that company. We'll have a share, huh? I'll, I'll, yeah. give, you token, I'll give you some token shares. Maybe yeah. two shares. Blockchain, each. blockchain, <laughs> token shares. Blockchain, quiddity X, but we'll have quiddity coins. Yeah. Why don't we? Yeah. We'll have... Oh, our producer is going to love that. Space Q. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, space Q. We'll, we'll, we'll have a, uh, no, we'll have a quiddity current, quiddity currency. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I know it's, I'm, I'm sure if the, if the private sector has that much funding and, and the technology to do so, it's going to happen. It's, again, it's not a question of why. It's really a question of when and how also. Uh, but let's just hope for the best that that you know there's not much war gonna happen. Uh, I'm afraid, lang in the future, once we start colonizing our uh, the outer uh, sphere of our uh, of of Earth, we'd be probably having some sort of a galaxy regional debacle happening or something like that, and uh, that can spur into hopefully not, but to war. And that's gonna be a, and that's not, you know, it's, that's all, in history. That's always, that's always been happening. So, that's pro I hope we learned our lesson. 
So this yeah. is a, this is our new ocean. We have space. That's our new sea. That's our that, that's, the, that's new the new frontier, new, man. New frontier. Let's hope we don't find any Indians. <laughs> <laughs> what? Are you talking about? Are you talking like about? A Caucasian man. As a half you Asian, are, I'm offended you are by that. Just kidding. Just kidding. Snowflake alert. Snowflake alert. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, let's just, yeah, let's just hope for the best of the future. We, we, we don't know, but I'm, I'm sure, I'm very sure that it's they're gonna, we're gonna somehow privatize a lot of the sectors of our galaxy. We're gonna, I'm, I'm 100% sure of that. It's gonna happen. Like yeah, one, I, one, like Quiddity X will be. Is, is owning the nether regions of the Milky Way, for example, something like that. That's going to probably so you happen. know, part of my exploration team is going to include the two of you, right? Yeah, we'll be sent out into... out. Hey, Martin and Elsie, have you ever wondered what's outside of known space? You no, want to go? because we're going <laughs> to run the podcast with one of you on Mars and the other one on the freaking moons of Saturn or something. That's going to be awesome. So yep. dialing live from Mars and Saturn and the Earth, we've got the Naked Under the Table show. <laughs> as, as long as man, my bathroom mind, has a beginning, I don't mind being I'm a test pilot, man. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, you <laughs> son of a bitch. I'm in. How about, how about you, Martin? How about so, you, Martin? What do you think? So, so yeah, I, I, I think it's inevitable. You know, of course it's inevitable. And, and, and it should be because... Because uh, although the private market can spin out of control sometimes, and of course there are loads of examples of it doing so, there are also loads of examples of it not doing so. And it's if you, first of all, the, the problem with having it public, and this has been the problem, for example, in this in in this with the states with the states um, space program with NASA, is that the funding that you get depends on the political agenda. So now every four years. You might have a new person that thinks something that, that that has another idea, and they get less funding. They get more funding. Some things that they already put money in researching get shut down, um, like all of these things. And and that's where the public sector is just not very uh, efficient for for these kind of things. But the public sector is a great place for pioneer frontier research, right? The the kind of things that private companies won't invest in or that they can't get through because in the same you're right in the same way there's red tape to stop things there's red tape to move things forward along much much faster you're right permits yeah. you're right you're right everything yeah, yeah. You're right you're right you're and, right and and for the private sector to invest in it it has to be profitable that that is whether you think that's right or wrong i mean that could be up to you but that's just a law of the of the economical system that for it to have enough in sentiment, it needs to be profitable. So that means that kinds of research or technologies that are not profitable won't get focused from the private market. And that's really where the public public sector has to has to step in and fund these kinds of, of like pioneer uh, this pioneer research that is not profitable in the eyes of the private uh, market. Um, I agree. I agree. You're absolutely right, dude. Absolutely right. Um, and, and I like it because now it is starting to happen. And, um, I think it was Neil deGrasse Tyson. He came up with like three things that he's like, I studied it and there's three things that motivate human beings. And I can only remember two of them, but he's like, either it has to be profitable or you have to be dying. 
you know that's that's the only two ways you fucking motivate people to get shit done you know either it's profitable or you're facing extinction you know you know what's funny it's a it's a slightly different take on death and taxes yeah <laughs> right. death and money death and money yeah 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 so so i think it all in all the private sector is way more efficient in doing this and it will it will happen like you said denise it will happen a lot faster but the problem with the private sector is that it will uh in as a general rule not as like this is not an all-saying rule right but as a general rule will only focus on things that are profitable and and that's where really the public sector gotta step in so you guys yeah. are talking about profit and we're talking about money and funding and budget. And there's an interesting comment on the live stream and it's by Danes. And she talks about there's budget or we would carve out budget for space exploration, but no budget to repair this planet that we live in. And I find that interesting. And 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 I hope you guys will, will, will indulge me a little bit because I think it's a very interesting perspective. So to your point, Martin, very, very earlier when you said, Whenever they talk about exploration, they talk about success. They hardly talk about failure. And now we're talking about funding and we're talking about the idea of funding exploration outside of the earth. And now Danes has astutely pointed out if we could fund space exploration, why can't we fund repairs to our planet? Um, yeah. any, any of you want to take on this, this, this interesting uh, tidbit? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are funding reparation of the, of the planet a lot. Uh, trillions of U.S. dollars go into renewable and sustainable projects every year. Trillion of dollars goes into renewable research through universities and otherwise every year. So uh, my point is, and we, we touched on this on another podcast, right? Um, and I'll try to elaborate on it a little bit. Uh, we can always discuss what should be the main uh like focus on what shouldn't but one doesn't exclude the other and i don't really i don't really buy the argument that oh either it has to be this or it has to be that like they don't really exclude each, each other and, and they in a, yeah they and, and they yeah. shouldn't and they yeah, shouldn't yeah. and and in a free society like let's say if we were to 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 go down that road and and say okay so we should now focus all human resources available to us um on on solving the climate let's say the climate problems on the planet right it sounds like it's a good idea but when you think about it in a free society you now you take away people's right to choose right and then you can only implement it by force and that's also where the discussion on privately versus publicly funded comes in because generally, if it's publicly funded, the choices get limited. Versus if it's privately funded, they'd still usually be creating something where there's at least an impression or a perception of choice. And that's a very, very astute point that you make, Martin. Thank and you. And more diverse, right? And more, yeah. like, a government can only focus on so many things at a time, right? Even a government only has limited resources. It, if not in finances, then in, in thinking capacity as well. You can only focus on a given amount of people, whereas the private market and the free choice expands your opportunities exponentially. And that's why it's such a good tool to solve 
uh, problems. But the problem is, as we went, talked about earlier, is that it's it's driven on profit, right? So it's hard to get something adapted in the private system. And who gets if it a doesn't... share of that profit? Who gets a share? And, and... But that, yeah, for me, yeah. that's not, that's, it's really its capacities to solve problems that interest me, right? And for them to, to, to invest in solving a problem, they have to see a profitable end and they don't have the perspective of in 50 or 100 years. That's usually the perspective of the government. But the private companies have the perspective of maybe I want to have a return on investment in 10 years or in, in 15 years. right? But I don't. my point is I don't think those exclude each other. And, and there is trillions of dollars going into to, to developing, implementing and, uh, and doing uh, saving the earth from climate change and garbage and uh, all of these kind of things. So I wanted to thank Danes for her comment. And, and just to remind, you know, I, what I love about comments like this is exactly, there are different perspectives and we're coming from different spaces. Again, my puns. And it's possible that when we see comments like this- It's, it's not funny. It's not funny. It's, it's possible when we see comments like this, there is also inherently an experience that people have had that, that lead them to believe that there is no allocation being given to the spaces that we feel they need to be allocated toward. And it would, be, it would be prudent for us to recognize that even in a highly corrupted environment where predominantly governments are put into, they don't always have to be, but predominantly governments are considered highly corrupt. It's actually quite surprising how well-intended and how morally inclined they are when they do allocate budgets. So, some of this might feel ideal to people and some of this might feel more plausible to people, but the idea is the conversation and the idea is to bring it up. And, and that's really the nature of the show. So thank you, Danes, and for your comment and Martin for your wonderfully worded answer. So guys, we're getting to the end of the series, but our wonderful producer has prepared something new for us to try today and it is gonna be a lightning answer round and i even i just received the questions like a couple of minutes ago so i haven't even been able to prepare on them so please indulge me and uh, we'll do a little lightning round and i'll pop some questions about space and you will have to answer as fast as as you can right are right, you, are you in are we're, you in? We're, in, we're in let's do it let's do it let's do it okay I didn't get the question no they no Nobody i'm the, the only one that got the question oh, okay. and and i like just got the questions ago. okay let's do it are you ready okay so the first question and we'll start with elsie venus or mars mars Denise, Venus or Mars? Mars. Yeah, I, I, I'm Venus, but just because it's... it's like... <laughs> See, not all men are there's from no, Mars. There's girls. no chicks in Venus, my friend. There yeah, are no girls I mean, in Venus. That, right, all right. women are from Venus. All women are from Venus. Men are from Mars. As they Exactly. Wanna... That's why I want to live on Venus. <laughs> you can't. Any, it's impossible. Anyway, You'll die. Okay, yeah, next, next. Okay, okay. Uh, Denise, uh, Pluto, planet or not a planet? 
I'm old. Planet. What about you, Elsie? Planet. Okay, I'll go with ice cream scoop. Like it's like a, you know, like on top of a cone. Like it's like a, an ice cream scoop and just lick some Pluto. I'll rephrase. I'll, I'll change my answer. Dog. <laughs> Dog? Okay, okay. Which is hotter? A, the sun. B, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Or C, Neil Patrick Harris. Denise. Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I, I'm going Neil Patrick Harris as well. That guy. And he, he is all the way. If you were to go gay for someone, that that's that's definitely him. You know. So. He is gay. He yeah, is exactly. Gay. Yeah, that's so. the point. That's Martin's point. Okay, next, next, next. Okay, okay. Space toilet, seat up or seat down, Denise. Duh, I'm a girl. Seat down. Oh, Elsie. Seat up. If I wake up in the in the middle of the night, I need to space be fast. Yeah, I, I think in any case, you're in space, so there's no gravity. So when you pee... That's going to be horrible. It, it just floats around, you know, seat or no seat. <laughs> uh, okay, you're going to a space travel destination. Where would it be, real or fictional? Denise? Real. Elsie? Fictional, of course fictional. Kepler... Kepler 22. Yeah. For me, <laughs> I don't know if it's real real or fictional. I would probably, I, I want to go outside of space. Is that real? Is that fictional? I'm, I'm not quite sure, but <laughs> good question. That's a new move. That is a new movie never made yet. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. You're about to boldly to go. You're, you're about to boldly go where no man or woman has gone before. Which spaceship will you take? Elsie. Huh. Yeah. My gosh, the Yamato. FTL, Tachyon Energy, Wave Motion Engine, come on. Denise. The Millennium Falcon, because it keeps changing how many parsecs it takes to cross anywhere. <laughs> sometimes it's 12, sometimes yeah. it's 14. Millennium Falcon, all the way, dude. And, and yeah, piloted I, by I, AI, so you're good with the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, I'll definitely go with, with the light sail and the ship. <clears throat> I'll get myself an eye patch, you know, uh, cut off a leg. <laughs> It's going to be awesome. It's going to be the best pirate ship. Okay, you can take a robot companion into space. Which one would you pick? Denise. Josie from the Jetsons. <laughs> yeah, she'll be funny. What about you, Elsie? I'll take Kusinagi from Ghost in the Shell. Oh, Agent okay, Kusinagi, goes, the major, Ghost in the Shell. This one is uh, difficult for me. I, I don't know. I, I can't remember a lot of robots, but probably Wally would be nice. I like nice people, yeah, you know. He's gonna be cute. Yeah. Yeah, he'll Wally be my good. he'll be my second in command. So uh yeah, so which which movie villain will would you hate running into while exploring space? Elsie. <laughs> What's that, sorry? Which movie villain okay. would you hate to run into while exploring space? Oh my gosh! Where do you start? Um, lightning Darth round. Darth Vader, round. I guess. Darth, Darth Vader. What about Darth you, Vader. Thanos. Yeah, me is it's the clown from it, man. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, he is. Fucking leaving, is, leaving this earth not to run into him, and then he's in, a, in another. Yeah, in another. Uh, Which weapon would you? I, okay, next, next one, next one, Nalang. 
Which weapon would you bring to protect yourself with while exploring space, real or fictional? Like, is the weapon real or like, which weapon would it be if you could choose, uh, Denise? Lightsaber. Uh, LC. Fictional, oh, of course, fictional. I, I, I'd, I'd get, I'd get, I'd get a disintegrate disintegrator gun. That yeah, I'll bring, I'll bring Voltron. Okay. Oh, uh, nice. Now that's, no, that's a weapon. Yeah, phaser set to stun or kill. Laser set. Uh, yeah, to stun or kill. Denise. Stun. Elsie. Stun. Okay, kill then. All right, next one. <laughs> okay, last what two. Would, we have would... last two, last two, last two for lightning round. Uh, okay, last two. You have one also. It's all. I, I only got one left. Okay, good, good, uh, good. One last, one last. My brain is the, fried. <laughs> what 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 would name the next Earth-like planet? What would you name the next Earth-like planet you discover? Elsie. Oh. Hand of God. Denise? Halcyon, which connotes a time of joy and perfection. Okay, I will call it, oops, I did it again. <laughs> uh, oops, don't do it again. All right, all right, all right. That's that's it, guys. That's it. That's what, That was a lightning round. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah, it was. Thank you so much, guys. It's it's been an it's been a it's been a hard series, uh, to be honest. It's it's been some really tough episodes, uh, but I, I've really had a great time. I really had a great time exploring space with you guys. So uh, last round, do you have anything to round off with, Elsie? Uh, yeah. Uh, as we progress in the future, um, let's just hope that we, by that time, we can check ourselves. You know. Uh, get a balance morally and uh, uh, less greed uh, I think that's that uh, exp uh, space exploration is not just limited to space alone but to explore us as a, as a race also so to the future what about you Denise yeah I guess as we said space exploration reminds us how vast the universe is and how small we are so if you keep that at the forefront of all of your exploration, remember you are not the master of any universe, much, this, much less the universe we know about. So keep yourselves humble, keep yourselves prudent, always courageous. Yeah, and just, just remember- He-Man is the master of the universe. <laughs> Be He-Man. He-Man is the master of the universe. So just remember, I guess my last is, if we were ever gonna explore space, Remember that at one time, we were explored too, and use that as your moral compass. All right. Well, uh, yeah, as I said, thank you so much, guys, for, for an amazing series. And thank you to all the people that, that tuned in and listened for this series. Although they're not, I don't know if everybody, of all of them tuned in today, but it's been an amazing series, and it, it's... It's really, it's really uh, great to go through this journey, both with with you two and 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 with the people that that listen and and kind of weigh in and comment and and also with Q. 
So uh, to many more adventures and to more exploring in the podcast universe. See you next time. Yes. <laughs>